All right, let's get going on this. It's a very interesting lecture, and I hope you will enjoy it as much I will enjoy being with you again here. Reactive oxygen species. That's a big name and abbreviated ROS, and we will see what, as in first lecture regarding this, what this is all about. ROS is a big group. It includes free radicals or compounds leading to free radicals. So if I want to take, talk about a free radical, it has a single unpaired electron. I also want to talk about molecules that can lead to free radicals, as they are also dangerous. And that's why we have the uh, big group reactive oxygen species. When we have a radical, a free radical here, it's normally scavenged by antioxidants. And these are molecules that just donate an electron to an unpaired electron. If a free radical bumps into another molecule, it makes that molecule a free radical. So what we have to do is we have to scavenge them and get rid of them, either that we deal with a problem that have an unpaired electron or that we use two radicals and put them together, then that it's not radical anymore. Where are free radicals formed? You see here, it does not look very good. We have UV light, ionizing radiation, smoking, air pollution, inflammation, but we also have metabolism. That means all the time while we are sitting here or talking to each other, we generate radicals. And that is okay as we, have, we are very well equipped to deal with these. We have enzymes that can take care of them. We have molecules that we form in our body that can take care of them. And we eat some, if we are smart, that take care of them. And I will tell you just a little bit of the group that is very well known as radical scavengers. If I have ROS, reactive oxygen species, I also can talk about reactive nitrogen oxygen species, or NOS. And they are both together formed during oxidative stress, and they need to be scavenged to prevent cell damage related to DNA but not only DNA, also lipids and membranes and proteins. And normally we have cell defenses that are antioxidants that we form in our body or that we eat, and we have enzymes. Now if we separate this and say what are free radicals, superoxide is a free radical, hydroxyl radical, it has it already in its name, and that is the worst one. And you will see our system with enzymes that we have to protect against radical formation, protects against hydroxyl radical formation. Now, if that doesn't work well, we can still eat molecules that also will not only scavenge free radicals, but including this worst one, hydroxyl radical. Nitric oxide is a radical and nitrogen dioxide is a radical. And now here the other group that is leading to free radical is hydrogen peroxide. 
So this is why ROS includes superoxide and hydrogen peroxide and hydroxyl radical. So we have a big group there. And peroxynitrate, that is a very uh, nasty molecule, but also leads to free radicals. Many diseases and damage is related to ROS. There are more than 100 diseases. I'm only mentioning Parkinson's disease, atherosclerosis, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. We will talk about that. It's abbreviated ALS. Inflammatory diseases and cancer. And the ROS formation is enhanced by some treatments that we do, like high oxygen tension and supplement oxygen for COPD patients. Also, it can be enhanced by hypoxia, carbon monoxide poisoning, and ischemic reperfusion. When the heart, for example, becomes ischemic and it is reperfused with normal blood, then we generate a lot of radicals, and that can lead to more heart damage than it was before. And last but not least, in the next semester, we will talk about it. We talk about high acetaldehyde in the liver after ethanol abuse. So that also works over ROS. I know that you haven't talked much about the electron transport chain, and I'm only saying shortly that the name implicates that you are transporting electrons. And here is NADH dehydrogenase, that's complex number one. You put an electron in and you want to, to reach CoQ. CoQ is a lipid that is in the inner mitochondria membrane, part of the electron transport chain. So sorry when it's a little bit like when you learned driving a car, you were put in and said, this is the gas, this is the brake. And you don't know really how it all works together. But the important part is that we have an electron transport chain that leads eventually to oxidative phosphorylation and ATP formation. And in the first step, we put two individual electrons to CoQ. After that, the electrons hop into the heme group of the cytochromes. That is much more safer. But at the level of CoQ, of this coenzyme Q lipid, I can lose an electron. And that's where I can make a radical. And as I have in the electron transport chain, I run it when I have molecular oxygen. Here's molecular oxygen, and it picks up an electron. And then I have what I call superoxide. Now, this superoxide is a radical. And it, if I don't take care of it, it will destroy the cell. And it also will damage the mitochondria DNA. So you have talked already about DNA. And you know that mitochondria DNA is more successible to ROS damage than nuclear DNA as it does not have histones that protect them. And it is also more related to damage as it's close to this CoQ. Are you with me so far as a big picture? That's the concept. And if I have a superoxide, I have molecular oxygen plus one electron gives me superoxide. And if you read it, you, some people call it superoxide anion. That's correct, as it is an anion. 
Some people call it superoxide radical. That is correct too, as it is a radical. So please be aware these are not different molecules. And when we talk about superoxide, which it's now used without saying superoxide and iron radical, that's the same molecule. So if you ever later in the USMLE or find the word superoxide and iron radical, that's the same superoxide that we are talking about. It's only named differently. Now this superoxide is always formed in mitochondria during the electron transport chain at the level of CoQ. You should know that at this level it is dangerous. In the cytosol by microsome is cytochrome P450. Cytochrome P450 are enzymes that while they are acting, very often they make hydroxylation reactions, they generate radicals. Is that bad? No, as we have a way to deal with that. We anticipate that. Is that bad that my, during the electron transport chain red superoxide is formed? No, as the body is prepared for that. As long as we have the enzymes that take care of it, and so we always form radicals, but the body is ready to deal with it. Now the enzyme that deals with superoxide has the name superoxide dismutase. And it is very efficient. It takes two superoxides at the same time as substrate. So it's very efficient. It's one of the fastest enzymes. Here's a superoxide. Here's a superoxide. And superoxide dismutase is like Superman, takes care of two bad guys at the same time. And we have now hydrogen peroxide, which is not very nice either, but not as dangerous as the superoxide. So using two times the molecules we want to get rid of is very, very efficient and fast. And superoxide itself is a radical and has li uh, limited lipid solubility, so stays where it is and cannot diffuse very far. So I have better several superoxide dismutase enzymes waiting in strategic areas. I have in mitochondria, mitochondrial superoxide dismutase, and that is special as it needs manganese as cofactor. Cofactor, as we had talked about when we talked about enzyme activities are needed, and manganese is very rarely needed. We don't have it much, it's a, um, but mitochondria superoxide dismutase needs manganese. The cytosolic form needs copper and zinc, and the extracellular mostly copper. So you see superoxide dismutase, no problem. If we have superoxide, we take care of it. But now we have hydrogen peroxide. We will see how we deal with that. Hydrogen peroxide is formed in many reactions. We just talked about it. SOD is the abbreviation of superoxide dismutase. And in peroxisomes, we want hydrogen peroxide, as we have then enzyme catalase that gets rid of molecules we don't want in the cell. That enzyme needs hydrogen peroxide catalase. So on purpose, we form in peroxisomes hydrogen peroxide catalyzed by xanthan oxidase and during beta-oxidation in peroxisomes. So the major part is 
we form hydrogen peroxide on purpose. But now it comes. When it is too much, then catalase watches over it. So catalase uses hydrogen peroxide to get rid of molecules we don't want. But it, if it gets too much, it's very efficient to cut that down. As we will see, if hydrogen peroxide and superoxide meet each other, then we have the worst radical, hydroxyl radical. So we don't want this to happen. So we need hydrogen peroxide, but we have also catalase sitting there. If we have too much, we get rid of it. And hydrogen peroxide could diffuse through membranes, and it can lead to hydroxyl radicals in the so-called Haber-Weiss reaction and Fenton reaction. I first thought you wouldn't have to know those, but these reactions show up in USMLE-style questions, and definitely want, we want to prepare you for that. Hydroxyl radical is non-enzymatically formed in, from hydrogen peroxide when it meets superoxide or ferrous iron. So here, these are not enzyme-catalyzed reactions. If we have hydrogen peroxide and superoxide, we form, this is the hydroxyl radical in the Haber-Weiss reaction. So we have to get rid very fast of superoxide, and superoxide dismutase was forming what? Hydrogen peroxide. So we have to also now very fast get rid of hydrogen peroxide. And we will see we have two enzymes mainly that can do that. And if uh, hydrogen peroxide meets ferrous iron, we have the Fenton reaction. That's easy to remember, right? Ferrous iron, Fenton reaction. And we also have this hydroxyl radical. Hydroxyl radical, and maybe that makes it even more clearer how dangerous that molecule is, is also formed from water during ionizing radiation. And you know that radiation causes damage of the skin, mutations, cancer, and death. So even without the ionizing radiation that forms hydroxyl radical, we can form hydroxyl radical in our body. And that's why we have systems to prevent that. So hydrogen peroxide is scavenged by catalase. I said catalase uses it, but if it's too much, it can take care of it very fast. And another enzyme that takes care of hydrogen peroxide is glutathione peroxidase. They are both very fast reactions. Catalase contains heme, and it binds two hydrogen peroxides as substrates at the same time. So catalase is now, just to be fair, superwoman. And we have water. Yeah? So just from the idea, we have to do that fast. And that is, that is very good. And catalase is very fast and takes care of two molecules that we don't want to hang around. Another enzyme is glutathione peroxidase. That is different. That cannot handle two molecules at the same time, and it needs reduced glutathione. You remember the clinical uh, lectures, clinical enzymology, uh, glutathione, and 
It was synthesized as a tripeptide in the liver. It is very important. It's also in the blood. And in all other cells, it is needed as substrate for glutathione peroxidase. And we have here a cysteine with a sulfhydro group. And in these reactions, we link two of the reduced glutathions together. So hydrogen peroxide plus two reduced glutathione gives us oxidized glutathione and water. Now this enzyme needs selenium as a cofactor, and that is high, high topic. So put that, please, into your memory already. Selenium glutathione peroxidase. That is even more tested than the manganese for mitochondrial superoxide dismutase. And that is an easy, easy point for you if you just know it. So selenium is also very rare, uh, rarely needed, but this is the enzyme that needs it. And glutathione peroxidase acts also on organic peroxides here and makes a hydroxyl group. And glutathione peroxidase can something do what catalase cannot do. It can repair lipid damage. When we have the RBCs, these are the cells that, with their phospholipid membranes, are in these high oxygen pressures in the lung. And what happens there is this molecular oxygen pushes itself non-enzymatically into these membranes. And then we have lipid peroxidation. And we have to repair that. If we cannot repair that, and these polyunsaturated fatty acids that have become lipid peroxides, they are degraded. And like if you see here, I have my arm here. This is a double bond, or I have more double bonds, but I only have one elbow. So here the oxygen would go on. And if I'm not repairing, I cut it. And you see this little stump makes the membrane leaky. And we will see that it is glutathione peroxidase that can do that. We are not going into detail into it, but this shortened of smaller segments leads to leaking of the membranes. And now I have a question for you. You can talk to each other, that's fine. Preferably about this question. All right. 
Well, this stem says you that laboratory uses in their animal studies a strain of paroxysomal catalase knockout mice. And this is very much, it's, it's true, it's really going on in research as we want to investigate oxidative stress related to aging. And what is specific about this enzyme, catalase? Okay. Manganese is cofactor. Which enzyme had manganese as cofactor? Mitochondrial superoxide dismutase. Two hydrogen uh, peroxides are the substrate, is the correct answer. Hydrogen peroxide is product. Which enzyme forms hydrogen peroxide? Superoxide dismutase. Catalyzes the Fenton reaction. That's very good. It's not catalyzed. It's uh, hydrogen peroxide and ferrous ion. And glutathione is not coenzyme for catalase. Glutathione is coenzyme for which enzyme? Glutathione peroxidase. These enzymes you have to know in and out for this lecture. And what is used, what are cofactors, uh, what is formed. All right. Now, we have here an overview of free radical mediated cellular injury, and we started out with mitochondria damage, DNA damage by superoxide. Uh, here we have the respiratory enzymes, and this is superoxide radical or an ion radical. This is the sign for superoxide. We can also have protein damage, membrane damage, DNA damage, especially from the hydroxyl radical here. And you have cell swelling, increased permeability for sodium, calcium. And here is a nice little picture, lipid peroxidation. And you see here this little stump that I said, if we cannot repair lipid peroxidation, then we have leaking membranes. And you know the enzyme who repairs lipid peroxidation? Glutathione peroxidase. That's it in its name. What was special? It needs to reduce glutathione. And what was the cofactor? Selenium. So if you read back at this, uh, test yourself whether you know these important things. Compartmentation of free radical defenses. We have already uh, superoxide dismutase in mitochondria. That was the one that needed manganese. We have it in the cytoplasm here. It needs copper and zinc. And we have glutathione peroxidase. And we have in the membranes vitamin E and beta-carotene. And to the outside here, vitamin C helps in um, taking care of radical formation. Vitamin E is a molecule that can easily scavenge radicals. So we have the enzymatic radical scavengers, and they are mainly superoxide dismutase in mitochondria and cytosol, extracellular room, catalase, mostly in uh, peroxisomes, and glutathione peroxidase that needed selenium and reduced glutathione. And then we have non-enzymatic endogenous radical scavengers that we always form. And one is uric acid. And you know that uh, if you have too much uric acid, it can lead to a gout attack. 
And that probably was uh, the reason that people investigated it more and from the logic of thinking, why would the body have so much uric acid that so easily could go to a crystalline uh, uh, formation and to a gout attack? And it was found that it is uh, very well scavenger in blood and lungs, and it's nearly half of the scavengers there. So that is why another function of it is to as radical scavenger. Glutathione is released by the liver into the blood, and now bilirubin is another molecule. You have, I have here the structure of uric acid, bilirubin, and you see bilirubin can easily handle an electron. And here again, bilirubin uh, can lead to jaundice. And the question was, why do we have so much in the first place in the blood? And it has a good function there. It is a radical scavenger together with other molecules. So you should know the enzymatic scavengers, the three key enzymes, where they are, what they do, what they need, and the non-enzymatic endogenous radical scavengers. And now I show you here a whole group of dietary radical scavengers, and they are found in fruits and vegetables, and especially in leaves and seeds. And they have vitamins. We'd already talked about vitamin E. Uh, PUFA, that's polyunsaturated fatty acids, carotenoids, flavonoids, phytochemicals, polyphenols, isoprenoids, and resveratrol, that's here in red wine, that has come to high attention. Now you see here from the picture, very high-ranked are always blueberries. But look at it here, much too expensive. Who can handle that? As they are not, they are not here, and they have to be imported. So why would what what these, uh, does uh, do Caribbean countries have, or or other uh, countries that have a lot of sunshine, where you expect radical formation? They have red kidney beans, and they are nearly the same potency in radicals. So if you eat red kidney beans, but make sure they are well cooked so that they are healthy at that time, they have radical scavengers in it. So you see here, it is all kale was uh, one. Everybody wanted to have kale, and the island produces it. Now I'm very happy about that. Very, very good, and, and from the nutritional viewpoint, very healthy. Well, that's it for the moment for these good, good stuff here. And... If you want to read more about it, but that is beyond this, is there's a good article, Hydroxyl Radical and its Scavengers in Health and Disease. So this is now very much in talking, and people find more and more molecules, the flavonoids and isoprenoids, that are important for you. And they are all also related to radical scavenging. Now, if you have a deficiency of one of the key enzymes, superoxide dismutase, that leads to a disease, we call it amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, ALS. And it is also known as Lou Gehrig disease. He was a, a famous baseball, uh, baseball player, and he became ill and passed away. 
and on his farewell speech in the stadium, he alerted people to ALS and how suddenly this disease come, which is in most cases a deadly disease in a couple of years. 90% uh, of the time it's, called, it's idiopathic and 10% may be due to hereditary defects of the gene for superoxide dismutase. Now ALS is still under research and there's also the possibility that ALS can show up later from war veterans that have been subjective to poisons during the wartime. And it's not easy for them to, to realize and prove it that they get it from there. So ALS, you should know, amyotropic lateral sclerosis, deficiency of superoxide dismutase. It is a deadly and degenerative disease of the upper and lower motor neurons that control the voluntary muscle movements and the cells degenerate and eventually die due to the lack of neuron transmission to the muscle cell. And the symptoms are difficulty breathing, vocal cord dysfunction, head drop due to weakness in the neck muscles, and muscle weakness, twitching, atrophy. And the onset is mostly after 40 to 50 years of age. And here you see two patients. Here, this patient has the head drop, which is characteristic. And here's a picture of Stephen Hawking, who is a physicist. He is one of the rare examples where the disease is slowing down. And normally people thought that he would pass away earlier, like Lou, Lou Gehrig passed away very fast. And here he has uh, a way to still with electronics to, to live uh, his life. All right, are you ready so far? This is how we protected ourselves against these radicals. And now, as you see, there are situations where the body has to fight back. And there they are part of the immune defense and they are formed on purpose. So first we have these radical damage, uh, radicals that are so damaging. And here we come to the idea, let's make some on purpose. If we are attacked, we destroy the bacteria with radicals. We destroy also fungi and other invaders. And on purpose, we form ROS and RNOS in phagocytic cells, neutrophils and so forth. Now, this is part of the immunological response, and the response involves an oxygen-dependent system. So we need molecular oxygen for this to function, and we need the enzyme for defending the body. And we have key enzymes, NADPH oxidase. It uses NADPH and molecular oxygen and forms on purpose superoxide. Then we have another key enzyme, myeloperoxidase. This enzyme uses hydrogen peroxide and chloride ions to form hypochlorous acid, that is bleach. That's 
very nasty for fungi. And we have the inducible nitric oxide synthase, which uses NADPH and arginine, the amino acid arginine, to form nitric oxide and citrulline. Nitric oxide is a radical, very short-lived. And if you want to measure nitric oxide, you are never there to measure it in time. So what the, the method of measuring is that you label a, mo a, a molecule in arginine, a carbon in arginine, and if you find it in citrulline, then you know it was formed during that reaction. I just wanted you to realize that sometimes we know so much, but it's not easy to measure. So you cannot directly measure nitric oxide. So short-lived, so highly active. And here you have NADPH oxidase, which is formed in cell membranes of neutrophils. And here we have a phagolysosome formed. So here in the membrane, we have NADPH oxidase. And on purpose, using molecular oxygen, we form superoxide. This is referred to as the respiratory burst. And you have to know this enzyme, NADPH oxidase. So for example, if you would have an exam question and no respiratory burst was seen, then you know that NADPH oxidase was deficient, wasn't doing its job. So respiratory burst means usage of molecular oxygen and formation of superoxide. Now we have extracellular superoxide dismutase here, takes two and makes hydrogen peroxide. And this hydrogen peroxide can act with ferrous ion and make hydroxyl radical. Yeah, this is the bad one, and that breaks down bacteria. But also what is released into the phagolysosome is myeloperoxidase. And this enzyme forms bleach, hypochlorous acid. And in this case, in this picture, it only destroys bacteria but it can also destroy fungi. And that is a key information for uh, some questions and some patients. We will talk about two diseases where in one case NADPH oxidase is not working and in the other case myeloperoxidase is not working. This myeloperoxidase is secreted and uses hydrogen peroxide and chloride ion. And it also seems to lead to the coloration of pus due to two heme-like groups. Now, last but not least, physiological function of nitric oxide. Well, it relaxes smooth, smooth muscle. It prevents platelet aggregation. It functions as a neurotransmitter in the brain. Once it was found, it was uh, easy to, to realize it after one realized that arginine is used and one could measure it. And here we have nitric oxide uh, formed in macrophages here. And it is an inducible nitric oxide synthase. And we need this for formation of RNOS as a cell defense. 
Are you with me so far? These are all expressed. This is induced when we need it, when we have to fight invaders. And this is a frightening move ahead, but don't worry. You don't have to know this all, right? What I want you to know is that you use arginine and nitric oxide synthase will form nitric oxide. And this nitric oxide is a radical. And if it meets superoxide, which we also have in the cell defense, then we make peroxynitrate, which is a very nasty molecule. And eventually, after many forms that are used for destruction, we do not only have hydroxyl radical form, but also nitrogen dioxide, a free radical. The reason that I show you this picture is that nitrogen dioxide is also coming from smog and organic smoking and from cigarettes. So here, from the smoking, you, you generate radicals. So you form nitric oxide on purpose, and then you link it together to another radical, superoxide, and you have peroxynitrate, which is not a radical, but leads to more radicals down the line. And I found this um, handout very nice, and uh, I found it also on the Internet. So if you see it in, on Internet uh, slides, they took it from me. I didn't take it from them. Okay. As I thought this was nice, but I found I put the enzyme names in and HOCl. It's nice to so, see hypochlorous acid. This is the be, the bleach and uh, ONOO minus is peroxynitrate. So you have the names to the molecules, and here you have again invagination of neutrophils. And you have the respiratory burst where you use a lot of molecular oxygen and you form superoxide. And the enzyme name is NADPH oxidase. This superoxide can now meet a nitric oxide formed from inducible nit nitric oxide synthase. And you form peroxynitrate and many other molecules which are not shown here but they eventually will destroy bacteria. Okay, if you don't have the superoxide together with the nit nitric oxide, you form hydrogen peroxide, and you have here the number two. Which enzyme uses superoxide and makes hydrogen peroxide? Superoxide dismutase. Now, this is now extracellular. Would it use manganese as cofactor? No. It uses copper. Good. So now we have hydrogen peroxide. It meets ferrous iron. And here we have the hydroxyl radical that can cleave the bacteria and destroy them. Super, uh, hydroxyl radical is not shown here. can also be formed from superoxide and hydrogen peroxide. This was done with a ferrous ion in the Fenton reaction. What is the name if it is non-enzymatically formed from superoxide and hydrogen peroxide? Haber-Weiss reaction. Very good. And here we have the hydrogen peroxide and we have the myeloperoxidase, which is released into 
there's phagolysosome, and you use uh, chloric, uh, chloride ions, and you make hypochlorous acid, and you destroy bacteria. But what else do you destroy? Fungi. Okay? So we have a disease, chronic granulomatous disease, hereditary NADPH oxidase deficiency. You see here, I put this in here. Very early on, you cannot make superoxide on purpose. So what falls out? Hydroxyl radical formation. You don't have it. You start here, and the granulomas that you see here in this patient and here, they have sequestered bacteria in infective cells. So you cannot destroy bacteria. And you have recurrent severe infections by bacteria, very often pneumonia, and also fungi. And there you have aspergillus as a fungi who, whatever reasons, is attacking here. This disease, the hereditary disease, is mostly diagnosed before five years old. But you can also have older patients, and in some of the genetic defects, or actually most of the genetic defects, they are X-linked. Yeah, are you with me so far? You cut down superoxide formation. And that was where everything started. You know, you need superoxide to make, um, together with nitric oxide, uh, to make peroxynitrate and so forth. And the second that you have to know, the second disease is myeloperoxidase deficiency. And now see here, I, you can make superoxide, you can make hydroxyl radical, you can make peroxynitrate, and you can destroy bacteria. But what can you not do? You cannot make hypochlorous acid. You cannot make the bleach. And with that, you have very recurrent severe infections by candida albicans here. You have the fungi candida albicans. Here I show it for oral uh, infection. You have genital infections. And the worst is if it comes into systemic infections. So you have in your patient recurrent severe infections by candida albicans. The bacteria here are still destroyed by the hydroxyl radicals. And so you can have an, an individual that uh, has not recurrent bacterial infections but shows up now candida albicans, the white um, uh, covering of the tongue, candida albicans. And now we have another clicker question. You can also use the time to imagine how the patients would look with the other deficiencies that are not for this day, patient.
All right. So this patient has muscle weakness and a characteristic head drop. That was decri uh, described for ALS. He also has difficulty breathing and vocal cord dysfunction. And now as it's after you come to your, uh, he has amyotrophic lateral um, disease, now you have to know the enzyme. So here I want to show you that one can make questions very easy. I can just say ALS, the correct answer. This is another higher level up. You first have to see, okay, it's ALS, and then which enzyme is deficient. And superoxide dismutase, it was. Very good. Catalase, if catalase is deficient, then you would have um, hydroxyl radical formation in the body. You would have uh, DNA damage, protein damage, lipid damage. Myeloperoxidase is an enzyme that was needed to protect against candida albicans and other fungi, bacteria. NADPH oxidase, granulocious uh, disease, uh, would lead to recurrent bacterial infections. And glutathione peroxidase deficiency leads to destruction of red blood cells. That, that is a very, very clear-cut indication for that. All right, and when we, I give you at the end a little summary, and I have here on the left side amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, ALS, or Lou Gehrig disease, and I strongly separated that, as this is a disease where we cannot protect us against radical damage. And superoxide dismutase deficiency, uh, we have deadly degenerative disease of the upper and lower motor neurons, and we have difficulty breathing, vocal cord, and you, when I described that patient, you found it very well. A patient that has chronic granulocious disease or myeloperoxidase deficiency is different. Here we have a disease that is due to the fact that the patient cannot uh, destroy invaders. It cannot protect itself against invaders. Not These molecules were not formed. Uh, they, they are formed on purpose. And NADPH oxidase deficiency, uh, you have defect of superoxide, and this superoxide lack uh, leads to less all of them, ROS, RNOS, hypochlorous acid. And you have a patient that would be described as having recurrent infections, fungal, bacterial, and especially bacterial pneumonia. So this patient would have these, uh, maybe it would be described several times to the hospital has recurrent uh, pneumonia. The patient with myeloperoxidase deficiency is differently that patient can still destroy bacteria, as we can make hydroxyl radical. But this patient cannot destroy candida, candida albicans, especially uh, tries to be in these patients. And although the destruction of bacteria is normal, 
he has recurrent fungal infections. All right, thank you very much, and I see you soon. Thank you. Very kind of you. <laughs>